Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Michael Chu. Michael enjoys learning about different perspectives and challenging assumptions through questions. He has had a diverse career in finance and operations, software and technology, and regulatory economics, including time training as a locomotive engineer and a product owner. His diverse experience allows him to look at complex ideas through multiple lenses and pinpoint the simplest core values. He is currently unlearning and relearning how to build intuitive web applications and effective architecture solutions as a full-stack developer. Michael is also volunteering with CPA Alberta to help accountants better adapt to the latest in software and technology. So now let's join Mike as he has an interview with Amy Rondeau. Take it away, Mike. Cool. Hello, Amy. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. So thank you for coming to um, Rainforest Alberta's um, Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. Um, So for the audience, I know you're a little new to the Rainforest. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Uh, My name is Amy Rondo. I am a chartered accountant by education. I got my CA designation in 2006. Um, And since then, I've done all sorts of different things in my career, which I'm I'm sure we'll get into. Um, But most recently, um, I've started uh, my own entrepreneurial venture in uh, plus size fashion. So started an e-commerce business uh, a year ago, June 2019, uh, is when I incorporated. So, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. This sounds exciting. So, per our rainforest traditions, we like to ask our guests, what is one of your superpowers or something that a quirky fact that no one knows about that you're really good at? Oh, okay. Um, I would say my superpowers are... Um, being very organized, um, yeah, I would say I'm very like goal and task oriented. So if I'm given like a goal or a task to achieve, I'm very much like eye on the prize and nothing is going to sway me from achieving those goals. Um, and I just, I just learned the nickname at work, um, Eagle Eye, um, (laughs) my colleagues are like, yeah, basically I have, I'm like a hawk and, I notice like a lot of um, small details. Um, yeah, so I can, I can kind of be a bit picky at times, but yeah, I I'm really pay close attention to details and like kind of almost like a bit of a perfectionist. I want everything to like look good and be presented well. And yeah, I would say those are my superpowers. <laughs> well, and I... I think those are really good qualities as as a finance accounting professional because that's one of the things that they always ask for in the um, for the job description. So, um, just for people who may not know, you and I actually met through one of the nonprofits we both volunteer for. It's called um, the CPA's Community Ambassadors, and I had the pleasure of working with you in the last few years, and I absolutely agreed that your sense of your your sense of detail and task orientation have really help the not drive build the nonprofits just getting us incorporated this year um, I personally really appreciate it and I can see how your team really appreciate that having someone like that on their team 
So you mentioned about the curve shop, which is your, yeah, for sure. Uh, so you mentioned about the curve shop, which is your plus size um, e-commerce store. Want to maybe walk us a little bit through about how did the curve shop come about and yeah, just tell me about it. Yeah, so I had kind of started toying around with the idea. I've I'd always wanted to start my own business and I played around with different ideas and I, you know, draft like a very rough business plan for different things or like bounce ideas around with people, but nothing really stuck in terms of like, yeah, I could see myself like, you know, doing this as a full-time job. Um, This would be, it's, well, I guess it's about two years ago. Um, I was doing, I don't know, kind of like a bunch of (laughs) personal growth work around like, size and body acceptance, things like that, and started getting more exposure to like plus size fashion and influencers, social media, things like that. Um, And, you know, as I've always loved fashion, like even as a little kid, I would sit there and like, my Nana's closet and like try on all of her clothes or my mom would catch me with the Sears catalog, like tabbing like all the pages of things I wanted to buy. So I always loved to shop, but as you know, I've become an adult and my body has changed and and things like that going into plus size clothing, my love for fashion was dying. Like I, there's nowhere to shop for plus size clothing in a mall, I was getting really frustrated, like not being able to find dress clothes to, to where to work, um, things like that. Um, so as I started kind of doing all of this personal discovery work and was coming across new brands and, and things like that, that's where the light bulb kind of went off of, you know, I need to do something about this and I need to bring a solution to at least to Canadian women, but I think it's an, it's an issue for women around the world, definitely in, in North America, for sure. Um, where, yeah, we, we just don't have the quality or the selection of clothing that you would see in the street sized fashion world. So I started kind of, this would be like two summers ago, toying around with the idea of like, okay, what, what do I want to do here? What do I want this business to look like? Um, And then in February 2019, ETB was running um, a crowdfunding competition called Build Her Business. So it was for female entrepreneurs um, to enter into um, and um, go through their booster platform, which um, their booster platform, when you're crowdfunding, you set a crowdfunding goal. And you have to meet that goal or exceed it, or you you don't get any of the funding that you raised. Like if you're $10 short, like it's all or nothing kind of thing. So they had an added incentive of um, a judging round for um, the whatever, however you kind of made it to the finals um, to earn additional coaching and startup capital for your business. So Um, I entered into that totally on a whim. Like I hadn't officially started my business yet. I had this idea floating in my head. I wasn't incorporated. I didn't have a website. I had a little bit of social media going, but I thought, you know, this is a pretty low risk way to test the market to see like, is, is there a market out there? Are women in Alberta or across Canada interested in this idea? Is this something that they would support? Um, I can maybe invest into this, try to earn some startup capital, 
without taking on like a huge amount of risk myself. And then if I find through testing this, that there, there isn't a market for it, well, then I can just kind of go on my merry way. So entered into the, into the crowdfunding competition. I think there were about 20 female owned businesses from across Alberta and from like various sizes, industries, you name it. Like some were quite established and some were totally new like me. Um, so yeah, off I went. I set, I think, a $5,000 crowdfunding goal. I raised just over $9,000 and then made it into the final round of judging. So my business plan was judged by um, some business leaders from um, from Alberta and I ended up winning. Um, so I earned some additional capital for my business, which I put towards incorporation in my website and got some additional coaching. And yeah, I, so I guess that the competition ran throughout the month of February and then um, worked through like getting the website built, incorporating. Um, and yeah, so everything went live just, it's pretty much a year ago to the day, actually. Yeah. The website went live and like officially incorporated and all that good stuff. That's awesome. I mean, I don't yeah. think a lot of business plans out to go get, you know, the seed funding and get double amount, double that amount. So that sounds like there's definitely a really good market out there. And so as a finance professional, I think you and I talked a little bit in, our, in the past was that, you know, we have a little bit of business acumen just through our working, you know, working closely with a bit with operation, working with business and doing our financial and budget. But that's very different from an entrepreneurial because you also mentioned that you're a perfectionist. How has that experience through with the ATB um, kind of competition changed your mindset around that? Because entrepreneurship is all about pivoting and making incremental changes and getting rapid feedback. Yeah, I would say some like a skill that I developed or have developed so far over my career is you need to learn when to shift between like being very detail oriented and being being able to see the bigger picture and see the bigger strategy. Um, and I found, yeah, like when you're in that crowdfunding mindset, you, you go in with a plan. Like I felt I went in like with a very strong plan, like ATB provided a ton of resources and webinars and things like that. So I soaked everything up, you know, went to all of their courses. I had a, I had a plan going in, but then you, you need to shift as you're, you're in um, that, that month long process of, okay. And I, I guess the other thing I should add to is the booster platform. It's a rewards based crowdfunding model. So um, you're not just going out to people saying, hey, like, give me money kind of thing here. You're offering them something in return. So I had sourced a variety of rewards, um, something, you know, I was able to source some plus size fashion. Um, and then I just got rewards from all sorts of different like community partners and local businesses and things like that. Um, but again, yeah, is you also don't know what your competitors are doing too. So as you started to see the other campaigns come out, um, you could see what people were doing really well and not so well, and then adjust based on that um, in terms of, you know, what I was offering for social media, 
contests, like additional incentives, I had to be able to pivot and shift along the way without being like, no, like I'm sticking to this plan. I think if I was very rigid and wasn't flexible, I don't think I would have had the success that I did. No, that's awesome. So you you mentioned around kind of pivoting between your detail-oriented mindset and then just kind of the bigger picture. Um, What would be one kind of decision criteria or factors for you that you consider when to pivot and when to change? What was one thing you would look for? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Like, do you mean a situation where, like, I had to decide whether to quickly pivot or not? Yeah. And how I made that? Okay. Um, yeah. So when I when I went through the the competition, I was operating under a different business name. I was operating as Kirby Collective. And so that's what all my social media was set up as. I'd had logos designed, um, was getting a website built around that entire model. Um, I went to Bennett Jones. They have a really great program for entrepreneurs where they'll kind of sit down with you and assess what your legal situation is and then design, like you'll meet with different specialists depending on what you need. So for me, it was incorporation and how do I protect my intellectual capital with my website? So as we started going through that incorporation process, um, they run a name search, come back to me and say, oh, there's a Curvy Collective in the U.S., um, which I was familiar with. There was another like online clothing store. They didn't they didn't seem to be overly active. Um, so I personally didn't think that it was an issue. Um, the advice that I got from the lawyers was no, like if you do want to continue to expand, you know, into the U S and globally, this could be a risk later on. So you're better to change your name now and launch your website and all the branding as like, this is what it is (laughs) instead of having to shift when you're a bit more established. So yeah, that, I mean, that was hugely stressful because you're like, I've done all this work and I've established this brand as Kirby Collective, like that's what I have in my heart. I don't, I don't want to change my name. And now you're like, and now I have to go through this whole exercise, this like creative exercise to come up with a new name, get people's feedback on it. See if, you know, can I get social media with that name? Can I get a website domain? Now I need to get my logo redesigned. Like you end up doing all of this administrative work that, I wasn't expecting to have to do. I was supposed to be focusing on launching a website, right? So it's like that added layer of stress, but then you're like, okay, what's the risk? Like, do I do this bit of work up front and just get, get it done? And, you know, then that's my brand and I, I can protect that brand instead of down the road, potentially getting into some type of a legal battle. So I think that's where, yeah, I, again, I had in my head of like, this is what I'm doing. This is what my plan is. This is what the name is going to be. And that, those plans got kind of thrown out the window. Right? So yeah, you, you do have to make almost like a split second decision of like, what's going to be the best option long term. No, that's awesome. Because a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we all, we both know that a lot of times you have to ask for help. And yeah. 
If someone knows something better than you do, you better take their advice. Oh, totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it was like super grateful to them. And I think, I mean, lesson learned, right? I wish I had done that months ago before I even went through the crowdfunding. But on the flip side, at the time, I was focused on crowdfunding. I wasn't focused. I didn't even know if I would have a business to incorporate. So I don't think like, you know, changing your name three months in versus years in, um, I don't, I don't think that it was that big of a deal in the long run. Well, it sounds like a really good experience. So what does success look like for the curve saw in about three or five years time for you? Oh yeah. So my, my next goal would be to start um, designing collections. Um, I would love to have things um, like obviously designed and manufactured locally, um, at least in North America, um, more ethical fashion um, where, yeah, it's, I, I'm really um, leaning away from anything that would be like fast fashion or um, things like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my next goal. I, I mean, to do that, I really do need more funding. <laughs> so that's where I'm toying around with, you know, are there, are there venture capitalists or angel investors out there that would be interested in investing into this industry? I mean, it is a multi-billion dollar industry that, um, there is a significant gap in the market. Um, even in the last few weeks, like we've seen, um, Reitman's announced that they're closing all of their additional stores across the country. They're shutting down the website. Like that's leaving a huge gap in the market for Canadian women that I, that's my goal is to fill some of that gap, if not all of that gap. Um, and yeah, I would love to expand to boutiques um, and have, yeah, just kind of small, cute little boutiques I would love to have them around the world <laughs> at some point. It's kind of a weird time to get into retail. Oh, sure. Um, it It's weird. Like you hear from people that they are frustrated that they can't go into a store and try things on and, and buy the clothes in store. But then when the stores are there, people aren't going into them. So then the stores close. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I've been pretty hesitant to go down like the brick and mortar route. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of changes going in. So, um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So, cause I want to talk a little bit about your careers cause your career, you started out as more as an auditor and then went into kind of as a control manager and then you went into be a recruiter for a while and then you went back and you were also an instructor teaching accounting. And then you were currently with, working with Shaw as well. Um, and then you actually you were actually one of the internal control managers. And now you work in the logistics department with their enablement. So tell us a little bit about how did you come across, what was your perspective when you think about your careers and then um, when you started and kind of the evolution of it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you say all of that, you're like, oh, wow, that's a lot of, of different things. Um, but yeah, so I, when I started my career, it was, I would say a traditional like chartered accountants career. You know, I, I did work terms in public practice, 
when I finished university, that's when I went to KPMG, <coughs> pardon me, um, to get the rest of my audit hours. And at that point in time, I definitely was like, no, I'm like getting my CA. I'm going to be a partner or I'm going to be a CFO. Like that's the path that I'm going down. Um, and I would say, what would it have been like a year after I got my designation? I, I don't know. I think I was just feeling like quite bored. I don't know if it was like I was bored with my lifestyle in Calgary or with my work or, or what it was, but I was just ready for a change of scenery. So um, I had an opportunity to go overseas with KPMG um, to do a secondment to their Australian practice. So I did a year in Sydney uh, and then I transferred over to Perth and found it was like, okay, I've got to change the scenery now. It's definitely the work. Like I'm just not feeling like the public practice firm life anymore. Um, You know, it's not like I thought I would be like surfing every day, but um, I just wanted a bit more balance in my life and I was ready for, for a different challenge. So I went and worked for a mining company for six months in financial reporting until it was time to come back to Calgary. And um, so when I moved back to Calgary, I mean, there was a bit of a blip of a recession. That was when there there was the whole like financial industry mortgage crisis at that point. And I'd never like really experienced a recession before, like not personally in my career. So I didn't know what to expect. And I'd started doing some interviews for, um, IFRS conversion work. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, like, okay, I didn't really enjoy sitting at a desk all day when I was in financial reporting. I liked the interaction that public practice gave me, um, and just exposure to different clients and chatting with them and, and things like that. But I also didn't like the long hours <laughs> either. So, um, yeah, I kind of thought, you know, I know I can, I know I can do IFRS work, but I don't feel like I would be super passionate about it. Um, I felt like, you know, I just kind of be going through the motions. Um, so I had gone into Robert Half's office to meet with recruiters, um, to chat about, you know, full-time work, contract work, whatever was available. And they ended up offering me a job to be a recruiter. So I'd kind of, I thought about recruitment in the past, but never really took it that seriously. But I thought, you know, like I've just moved back. The market isn't great. I'm not really thrilled with these other job offers and financial reporting. Why not take a chance and, and try something else um, and, and develop a different skill set? So yeah, I ended up spending six years with them. Um, doing a blend of of recruitment and uh, business development sales type of work for um, senior level um, contracts and and project work. Um, And yeah, I found that just like, it just opened up a completely different skill set for me around like, I would say like employee and engagement management, but also like project management and, negotiation skills and and all of that stuff that I I don't think I would have gotten that experience, like definitely not at my, at that age. Um, 
yeah, had I gone down like a more traditional route. Um, yeah, so I did that for six years. I left, uh, I went to Suncor for a little bit. That was in um, like an internal controls and, and project management role in, um, in a finance team there. And then, yeah, I went back to internal controls work. So I've been at Shaw for two and a half, almost three years. Um, I was in finance for just over a year as their internal controls manager, so managing their SOX compliance program. And then I moved over to supply chain and strategic sourcing just over a year ago. Um, so I manage a team that we we basically support our end-to-end supply chain with anything um, related to like training, knowledge management, communications, process improvement, project management, and spend analytics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a very broad role. Um, a lot of challenge. Yeah. It's like a very fast paced, very entrepreneurial organization. So I really enjoy what I'm doing and, and the people that I'm working with and, the projects that I'm leading. So yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, when did I, I've taken a bit of a break from teaching for this academic year, but yeah, for about two and a half years, I was teaching external audit at state. Um, So that would have been class sizes from like 30 to 40 students. um, And that's a prerequisite course for uh, the CPA designation. Yeah, so it sounds like, I mean, looking at your entire career, it sounds like the curve shop hasn't, isn't really a blip because then you've always been kind of experimenting with your careers and taking chances based on the kind of the economy and kind of the skill set you're looking to enhance um, based on what you're doing. So did kind of the experience in finance help you with curve shop and or other ventures you've worked in the past? Yeah, for sure. I would say the finance experience, um, where did it help me? I mean, definitely with writing a business plan in terms of like looking at, you know, what sort of a strategy do you want to adopt? Obviously being able to do the financials and the, the cash flow forecasting and, um, you know, a little bit of the tax side, I would not call my ta- myself a tax expert by any means, but yeah, enough that I could like put together a business plan with like a high level understanding. So that definitely helped for sure. Um, yeah, I think, I think the training that we get, it does prepare you really well for a strategic role. I think it kind of depends too on like, Yes, we all get the same type of training, but what, how do you want to use that training? I leaned more towards, I really like variety. I really enjoyed like project management, process improvement. That's why I went more towards, like I got that experience from working at Robert Half, working on different, like you're meeting with clients and scoping out different projects and assessing what their needs would be to solve a problem. So then I was able to take that skill set back into a finance role into more of a project management or a process improvement type of a position. And I use that now today in supply chain. So um, yeah, 
I don't, yeah, I think, I think it does help you as an entrepreneur because it, it allows you to develop different skill sets and be able to like shift quickly, I think. And I think one of the, just as you're inst- you being an instructor talking to students and I know you always been also have been a mentor for some of the CPA students who's going through the program. And I have done that as well in the past. Um, I think some of the questions they always get is like, can you, a lot of preconceptions people, some of the students come to us as is that the traditional accounting careers, right? Cause I've always heard a lot of people, students come to me and I say, Oh, I want to be as a, uh, you know, a, a senior by this many years and then be a, a manager by so many years and go to the industry and be a controller by so many years and be a CFO by so many years. Do you still that now that you've done more work around kind of entrepreneurship and then you have kind of worked in different areas that's outside of finance, do you think that's still the traditional accounting kind of role? Do you still that seeing a route to go in the future or is it still going to be widely applicable or are you going to see more people going to be branching out of different areas using their finance skills like you talked about? That's a really good question. I guess, yeah, I feel like right now in finance, there is a lot of uncertainty because we are seeing like more automation coming in, robotics, like data analytics, things like that. Um, I mean, I think there there is always going to be a need for those traditional skills, but I, I don't think we'll see it in the prevalence that we like that we did say, I don't know, 15 years ago when, when I was articling. Um, and I think we've even seen that through like the change to the CPA program and the practical work experience requirements. Like a lot of those entry level jobs of like you start an accounts payable or, you know, general accounting clerk or things like that. A lot of those roles have gone away. Um, that they're, you know, they're being automated or they're being offshored or, or things like that. So yeah, I think, I feel like we're in a funny time right now where it's like, where do you, where do you get that entry level role? And then how do you, like, how do you transform yourself? Like what other skills do people need for the finance function of the future? You know, I, you're always, I think you're always going to need those people who can, yes, you're going to have like things that are automated or, you know, crunching data, things like that, but you still need people to interpret that data and tell the story behind it, I think. So. No, that sounds very reasonable. I think that's kind of my feeling around that topic as well. So as an instructor um, and as kind of a mentor, I think you brought a really interesting question I would have was that what would be one, what would be the biggest skill that you would recommend to a student or maybe someone who's looking for more non-traditional finance career? What skill would you think they need to invest in or, or even a mindset for them to succeed in the future of work? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so many good questions today. Um, I would, I like, I would, if I were in school right now, I would be investing more into like those data analytics skills of like not just being able to interpret the reporting, but being able to actually like 
write the code and run the report yourself um, as well. And there are so many tools that are beyond like, I don't know, pivot tables and like macros in Excel and things like that, like starting to get into more of those skill sets, I think would be a worthwhile investment for someone that is a student today. And I guess I would say to hopefully this comes out the right way, but like being more open-minded to possibilities. Like, I don't think we're in a world today where people can think so rigidly about what their career path is going to be. It might zigzag all over the place. Um, You, you know, there may not be full-time employment. You might have to consult with, with a few different companies at once or go from contract to contract. Like we just don't really know what the economy of the future is going to look like. So um, yeah, I, I think for a lot of accountants, they're very, they can be very risk averse and maybe not always open to different possibilities from that sense. But yeah, I was getting more, comfortable with with risk I think of like being able to take a risk in your career and I really like that um, that analogy of just being more open-minded and being willing to take a risk because I think to your point there's a lot of skills that they taught in accounting designations or even the finance world that is very valuable and I think the biggest one you mentioned before was that just being able to see understand things like process controls which is a big thing and in a lot of companies that you may not necessarily have, but how do you leverage that into a different area is understanding what the value you bring to the company, to your employer at that time, using those skill sets. So I think you brought some really good points around that. And yeah, and I think one thing I would add to your data and likes, I love it, is that just been doing some reading on my own was about the ethics of some of those machine learning algorithms, how they are, you know, you don't look at how the machines are actually um, looking at algorithms, you can turn into very uh, ethical issues in terms of race, in terms of um, gender. So definitely something that is very dangerous in the future, but also a lot of opportunity for accountants to come in and use a skill set. So that brings it to kind of my uh, one of my last questions. Um, currently, what are you focusing on your journey of continuous learning right now? What are you reading or learning? Oh, okay. Um... Well, from a like on the personal side, I um, I'm a like a historical fiction buff and like a World War Two buff. I'm like I'm a, a pretty not too many people know that about me actually. Um, so yeah, I've been on like a female spy kick lately. I've been reading a lot about female spies in World War Two. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, on the like more professional side, I guess it's personal and professional. I'm a little late to the party, but I just like have gotten into Brene Brown, um, which I was like resisting. Cause I don't know. I thought it was like, I don't know. Everyone can't stop talking about Brene Brown. And like, I don't know why I just resisted it. But then I started, started with um, watching her TED Talks and then have, like, been listening to podcasts and things like that. Um, And, yeah, I was, like, I just – I love the way that she talks and she's just so real and authentic and 
yeah, I'm really enjoying her, her work. And I would say too, like, obviously there's been so much, um, so much out there to learn and develop around, um, inclusion, like particularly with Black Lives Matter and, um, from the fashion industry standpoint, like that's definitely not something that I can ignore. Um, like a lot of, you know, where the fashion industry kind of got, I don't know how, how would I say this? The fashion industry has like major roots in, in racism as does like diet culture and things like that. And it all kind of like intertwines with my business model. So I'm, I'm constantly doing like reading, like reading blogs and articles and things like that, just trying to continue to, to educate myself as best I can. So yeah, there's no shortage of things to read. <laughs> I think you gave me two or three answers already, the one question. So thank you very much. So before we leave, um, where can people find out more about the Curve Shop? Yeah. Um, so our website is shopthecurvy.com and all of our social media. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest, and LinkedIn um, at Shop the Curvy. So yeah, hopefully it's pretty easy to find us that way. Yeah, awesome. And I think we'll have the links available in the description for everybody who is interested. So Amy, thank you again for your time. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. Oh, thank you. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>